I'm your host, Jeff Dawson, for another episode of Dawson's Domain, where we cover the spectrum of life's pressing issues and events, from politics to relationships, sports to horror, alternative history to poetry, humor to baseball coaching, and everything in between. This is Jeff Dawson and Dawson's Domain, and I apologize for the delay, but we had some serious technical difficulties, and I don't know what the hell happened, because a friend of mine came up this morning. He needed help with Zoom. I got his meeting going, and then I try and log into mine, and... And it all kind of went to hell in a handbasket. So what are we? About 15, yeah, 17 minutes late. Well, I'll say this much. This is the first time I've had a real problem in connecting, which that in itself, believe me, is a minor miracle. Because I'm one of those old people that was brought into the computer age, kicking and screaming and carrying on because... I couldn't, I, hell, I had trouble just hitting the damn on button and trying to figure out what was going on. So I do apologize for the delay, but we are back with a lot of patience from uh, Douglas. So if you have any questions or comments, you can call in at 888-627-6008. Or 323-744-4831. Which your, any caller is more than welcome. Especially you have a divergent opinion on what I talk about. And we keep it civil and clean. I'm all for it. Because I do that on Facebook all the time. I will do a post or two. And sometimes it just amazes me at the comments that I get, those that agree, those that disagree, but for the most part, it does initiate a good conversation and a healthy discussion. Now, for those that want to take it down another path, I delete it. And that goes for anybody. It's like, don't come on my page and start this crap. You got a problem with somebody else. Well, take it on your page and debate your issues at great length, but don't do it on my platform because I'm not going to go on your page and start a bunch of crap. And if I do, then I restrain myself and say, take a pill, settle down and move on. Because that doesn't add anything to the discussion whatsoever. And today actually did start off good. One of my favorite shows was on the History Channel, Band of Brothers. And if you haven't watched it, I highly suggest it. It is based on Stephen Ambrose's book, Band of Brothers. I've read a couple of his works. He is a phenomenal historian who doesn't clutter everything up with crap. He gives the facts. He lets it ride. And it's up to the readers to make a determination what they do and don't believe. And they really put a good cast together for it. So, uh was very pleased to see that on this morning. 
on a book review, and I'm going to use a lot of his quotes because of our political climate that we've been in for quite some time. But Harry Truman has come up in a lot of my recent discussions with friends and family and associates and the comparison of presidents, past, present. He was just a good guy. And his the book, Harry S. Truman, was written by his daughter, Margaret Truman. Harry, you know, yes, he was a Democrat. And he was a hard scrabble person, served in World War One in the artillery, really didn't make a name for himself publicly until he became the president of the United States when FDR died. You know, ask people who was Roosevelt's vice president. People just look at you like, huh? Because as in most cases, go through a list of presidents, you know who they were. Well, who was their second? Who was their supposedly right-hand man? We don't hear a lot about that. And Harry, I believe he was like 60 when he finally made it. And his daughter wrote a really good memoir about her dad. And it's titled Harry S. Truman. So if you haven't read it and you want a perspective on a president, I highly recommend it. And the reason we would bring up Harry is when it came to our past, our 45th president, who would always go on this, you know, I, I never understood why he would fight with the press. It, I understand the stories that came out were slanted. They were biased, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, fighting with the press is like getting caught in a wet blanket or getting caught in a net. The more you fight, the worse it gets. And, you know, if Donald could have just shut his damn mouth and laid off the Twitter, life could have been a lot better, but he didn't. Well, with Harry, the press wasn't real kind to him. He could handle it until his daughter wanted to be a singer. And she performed. And the critics went after her with pitchforks and knives. And that's where Harry drew the line. And he came out and he told them, sons of bitches, you can say whatever the hell you want to about me. You can give me all the grief in the world. You can write whatever you want to. But the one thing you will not do is go after my family. And cheers to that. I really admired Harry. Does that mean I agreed with everything he did? No. But then I can't think of a president I've read about and looked at their policies that I, that I agreed with everything they did because that is just being naive. If you support a politician, and agree 100%, then you need to take the blinders off. Because that's just not happening. That's like saying when you marry someone or you're dating someone or you have a partner that they have no flaws. Are you kidding me?
I mean, when I lost the love of my life on July 20th of 2009, Debbie Beck, I would have done anything for that girl. Anything. But did she have flaws? Yes. Did she have things I didn't like about her? Yes. But I looked at the whole picture. And it's like, you know, and I'm sure she looked at me like, why are you such a moron some days? When you wake up, do you just take a stupid pill every once in a while? And I would have to shake my head and go, well, yeah, I took a big one today. I was tired of being logical and analytical and decided, you know, let's just see if we can be, see what we can stir up. And isn't that the way we all are? I mean, we all have flaws. We all have imperfections. And we sure the hell can't please all the people all the time because if we're doing that, then we're not focusing on ourselves. Let people accept us for what they are. I think that's a pretty simple concept. Okay. Let's talk a little. So if you haven't read the book, Harry S. Truman by Margaret Truman, I highly recommend it. Let's talk about sports for a little bit. Who here watched the NCAA championship game of Ohio State versus Alabama? And if you recall two weeks ago, I talked about this game and I have, I put my opinion on my blog at LDDJEnterprises.com and I talked about it. One, to me, it wasn't a national championship game. Why? Because Ohio State only played like 63% of the scheduled of their scheduled games since the Big Ten entered late into the dance when the colleges realized all the television revenue they were losing. Shocking but true. And they played Alabama. And now I'm from Toledo and Ohio State is one of my preferred teams behind Oklahoma State. But I said this is not going to be a championship game, and it's going to be an utter blowout and embarrassment for Ohio State. So if you watch the game, the first quarter, hey, that was pretty exciting. It's 7-7. to it looks like Ohio State's going to hang. And then you got into the second quarter, and the bottom started falling out. And at the end, the first half, it was 35-17. to 17. Now, Ohio State had shown some decent ability that they might be able to come back in the second half and compete with Alabama. That's why the final was 52 to 24. That was not a championship game. That was an ass kicking. That's all there was to it. Plain and simple. They had no business being there. I was not surprised. And I, you know, I'm probably going to wash my mouth out after I say this because I just can't stand this team, but it is what it is. OU should have been, in that championship game. They should have been one of the top four teams. Anybody who watched 
this abbreviated season could see that OU was gaining steam week after week after week after week. They are the ones that should have been in that game, not Ohio State. Would the outcome have been different? No. I don't believe that for a minute. Alabama was the best team in the country. I think this was their 18th title. That's pretty damn impressive. But I believe they would have made a better showing than Ohio State did. Okay. Now, the good news, still in sports, is baseball that is my sport that is the only sport that i could proficiently play walk talk chew gum swing a bat and catch a ball all at the same time as of today everything is still on i checked that just to make sure now does that mean there aren't going to be changes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there are because I won't know until tomorrow when I do my weekly COVID update, just what states are blowing up. No, I'm not going to turn on the news. I'm not going to watch what they do because they are the reason that I started tracking this back in March. Yes. Yes. March and April, just for my own information, because I get tired of listening to what MSNBC, Fox, CNN, any of them, just just name the channels. Like, okay, I'm going to follow this myself, and I want to see where the hot spots are and do my own stats. And I've had some people say, well, it's just a bunch of drivel and it's a waste of my, your, uh, it's a waste of time. It's like, it's my time to waste, isn't it? isn't costing you a penny. And if you don't like what I post, well, Hey, why don't you do the logical thing and move the hell on? It's that simple. If you don't agree with what I post, it's very simple. You can either unfriend me. You can hide me, snooze me for 30 days. I really don't give two shits, but if you don't like it, go on because I'm sure we have all seen things. People post that we don't like. Well, if you don't like it. It's just like going to a movie. Oh, Lord, yes, going to a movie. That reminds me of when my best friend, Mike Palin, in high school, our girlfriends were out of town, and it was his weekend to drive, and I made it very clear to him, we are not going to this particular movie. And he just smiled and laughed. I said, I'm serious. We're not going to this movie. And that's where we wound up. And I was like, you're kidding me, right? You actually brought us here? And it was like $5. This is 1977. It was $5 for a ticket. So what movie was it? Oh, this was a real cinematic production. It was the X-rated stewardesses. Yeah, a true classic by all stretch of the thin imagination. You know how long we sat in that movie? About 10 minutes. We should have taken raincoats into that theater. I think we were sticking to the seats or something, but you don't like it? Get up and leave. Well, that's what we did. 
You get a book you don't like? Hey, nobody's forcing you to read it to the end, are they? No. You don't like it? Close it. And since I'm a writer and an avid reader, believe me, since the advent of the Kindle and online books, I have read plenty that, all right, there's not a point in going, I don't have to invest any time in this. I'm leaving, okay? It's simple. You want to leave a review that it was a terrible book? Leave a review. It's just that simple. Good Lord. I don't know why people make things so difficult. But they do. Okay, and speaking of books, I had a really interesting evening last night. I had done a post, and it started a lot of debates and conversations, and it was about two of Biden's executive orders. One was killing the Keystone Pipeline, and the other one was on this transgender racial equality non-discrimination. Well, one of my good friends, and I will affectionately call her Miss Texas and not use her real name because I don't have permission to do that right now. She was sending me messages. So I would read them and then I would respond. I would read them and then I would respond. And I finally said, that's enough. That's enough. Okay. Enough of this foolishness. And I did something that will probably shock people. I picked up the phone and I called her. What a novel idea. Now, I haven't seen her or her husband or any of her kids for, let's say, I think three years. And that was on me because I had two retinal surgeries. And that was not fun, but I missed my what was it, the 40th reunion, high school reunion. I missed a lot of stuff, but I wasn't able because they were giving their son a send-off party, and then he was getting married that summer. And I called, and I apologized. I wouldn't be able to make it, but that's beside the point. So after this amount of time has gone by, I said, enough of this crap. Turn off the computer. And pick up the phone and try something new. Let's actually talk to a real voice. We were on the phone for three hours. And it was talk about getting a lot of catch-up done and discussing every topic under the sun and just not politics. Just talking about life in general. Well, her husband, he had, uh, he was interjecting as we went through the evening. And then I found out where he was working. And it's a company called EFCO. EFCO, I'm very familiar with. They manufacture heavy duty industrial concrete forms. 
I have used them on several jobs. And you don't, these aren't like Simon's forms or plywood forms that you build yourself. You've got to have backhoes or cranes out there to manipulate these things. They are industrial strength. They are heavy duty. They get beat up and banged up a lot. I mean, concrete's 3,000 pounds a cubic yard. You start and you've got a form that's trying to hold nine to 18 to 27 plus cubic yards. <clears throat> They've got to be strong and they have to have good connection systems because you can't have forms blow out in the middle of a pour. I've had that happen. It's not good. But where this got us down is he started explaining what it was like working for these people. And the more he talked to went right back to my job, do your damn job, my management book. And it was very enlightening because he was, when he went to work there and Steve's background is he's a, he's a hard scrabble guy. He has been in the trenches. He's done the labor. He's read the prints. He's seen the problems. And then he tries to talk to the people who drew up the prints that don't have a clue what's going on in the field. And this is what he ran into in the company that none of those people had ever been on a job site. All the engineers, yeah, they went to college, they got their degree, they went and took their engineering tests, they passed it, they got their stamp, now they're sitting in an office designing prints and systems for contractors. But when it came to the practical application of their trade, they didn't have a clue how to apply it to the guys in the field. And I can use myself as that example. I went to college. Okay. But just because I went to college doesn't mean I can read a set of prints when I'm building something. And I went through this many times, like, what the hell did these people draw up? And this is what he was confronted with. And since he was the new guy on the block, and we're talking he's in his mid-50s when he starts this job, working with young engineers that didn't have a clue on well, why can't they figure it out? Well, you come out to the field and we'll show you. But the more Steve talked, the more I was like, man, these people need this book because do your damn job is just that. Steve has learned slowly and they're accepting him they're taking his knowledge and his expertise and applying it in a practical manner. So when the prints do get to the field, the guy who's reading them and putting this form system together understands it. And for anyone who has looked at a set of construction prints, they can be a mess to the point where I don't even know what I'm doing. This makes no sense. I can't figure it out. And then you pick up the phone, you call the engineer. 
and they're talking gibberish to you. It's like, will you please come out to the job site or send someone to the job site so that we can see what the hell you're trying to accomplish here because we can't figure it out. Now, he hasn't gotten it to the point where some of the engineers in the office are doing that, but he is showing them the practical application of their profession and how it translates to the people in the field. And he is teaching them and they're starting to be receptive. And that is one of the big messages I have in my book, do your damn job. You have to be a mentor. You have to be a teacher to succeed. Now, if you're afraid of teaching somebody and passing on your knowledge, well, that's just ignorant. I'm sorry. That, that's all that is. If you're that insecure about your job, that you don't want someone else to learn how to do it better, well, that's just selfish. And I'm not a fan of the word team. However, since most are, you want your team to do good. Do you want your team to succeed? Then you have to share knowledge and you have to identify problems and then you have to resolve those problems. And then you move forward and see if your solution works. That is the key to success in any industry. I don't care if it's sports. I don't care if it's the law. I don't care if it's finance. If you are working with people, don't you want them to perform their best? And if they're underneath you, don't you want your job to be easier to where you can focus on what you have to do? Or when you take a vacation, you don't have to worry about, oh, my God. Do they know what they're doing? Do I have to worry? Am I going to walk back into a shit storm when I come back? Am I going to have to work twice as hard to play catch up? If you do, then you weren't doing your damn job. Okay. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. You're too worried about somebody getting a leg up and passing you. Well, that's going to happen anyway. Because you're going to be too worried about somebody being better at a job than you. When I was a project manager, I wanted my superintendent to understand what I did and how I did it. Doesn't mean he has to do it the same way, but I wanted him to understand the way I thought and the way I approached and attacked problems. It was simple. It made him a better superintendent for me because he was more knowledgeable. And then he taught me things. He, he would look at my weaknesses and he would show me how to approach those problems. We worked great together. We weren't worried about who knew what or who knew more. Our main concern was how do we take this project and build it correctly in the time allotted for it? That was the main priority. 
not about, oh, he's going to get a bigger bonus or, ooh, the owners like him more or, oh, the foreman will talk to him and they won't talk to me. What a bunch of crap. I never cared, in a sense, who was on my job site. What I cared about was, are you competent to be on the job site? What are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? Let's identify those and we will build on both. We will make you a better foreman. We will help your lead men be better lead men. Because to me, the whole thing was, we're all here to succeed. All of us, not one of us, not two of us, not three. All of us are here to succeed. Because there is nothing better than showing up, completing the task that was assigned to you on that day. And when you leave that day, you accomplished it and you did it right. That is a great feeling. And that, to me, is what it's all about. And that is one of the main keys in my book, do your damn job. You got to eliminate the BS and focus on what's important and not the trivial. But if you're one of those people that likes to play office politics, I'll tell you right now, I can see that in about two to three days. You're gone because I won't tolerate it on my job site. Because all it's going to do is create a whole lot of turmoil and a whole lot of BS that is not wanted. And yes, I have fired people just because I could see they are an infectious disease. They aren't here to succeed. They are here to belittle and blame people for their mistakes. That, to me is unacceptable and if you have employees like that I suggest you get rid of them before they cost you so much money you don't know it just hits you up the side of the head oh but it was so good chatting with them and listening to them describe this that you know this is a huge company and and one suggestion I had was, well, sounds like y'all need a field trip. Sounds like you need to get everybody out there and spend a day or two on one of the sites that they have drawn the prints for and actually see what it takes to install those forms properly. Because as I mentioned earlier, if you've ever been around a concrete pour and the forms blow out, one, especially if it's a structure, it'll scare the hell out of you. And then you get a real good idea of how insignificant you are when you've got 12 to 15,000 pounds of concrete coming right at you. You get a wake-up call real quick that, oops, that didn't go right. 
and then you have the expense of starting all over again. And all that does is cost time and money. And yeah, like I said, I was involved in one of those. We were doing the light rail line from downtown Dallas to the downtown Irving, pouring a crash wall down there on 35 around the Hooters in downtown Dallas. And it wasn't pretty at all. But it was so good to actually talk to these people in person for three hours. And if you haven't, if you have friends that all you want to do is chat with them on Facebook or text. And it's like, I tell my, or I will ask my children, have you talked to your brothers or your sister? Well, I sent them a text. That's not what I ask. Have you physically talked to them? No. Why? Well, that's not a good answer. Pick up the phone and listen to their voice because you can't detect any issues with them if they're sending blase texts and posts on social media. You know, sometimes we need to talk to that person to really get an indication of their mental state and their health. And you can't do that through text because people aren't always going to tell you what's on your mind. But when you talk to them, you will pick up inflections in the voice or pauses, but you will pick up oddities that, okay, something isn't right here. And you might need to explore that a little deeper. So if you haven't really talked to a loved one in a while, talk to family, talk to friends verbally, I highly suggest you give it a try just to make sure everything's okay, especially with this current pandemic that is still raging across the world and the United States. And how much time is that going to take out of your busy day? Five minutes, 10 minutes. Are you telling me you don't have that much time to spare? I suggest you find that time because I know when my father was alive, we would talk at least once every two weeks. They weren't long discussions. They weren't these high brow debates. It was, what have you been up to? How are you doing? Everything good? Any new health issues? And what would that take? Maybe 10 minutes. But it was a worthwhile 10 minutes because I could tell if something was wrong. Doesn't mean you're going to find everything out, but you will get a good barometer on where they're coming from. So... 
If you haven't picked up the phone, what are you waiting for? Now, let's get into... I really don't want to talk about January 6th yet. Okay. I was talking about some Truman quotes. And here's what came out of the book. Let's see. Is this it? When I started out, the song was, we can't win. Yeah, this is, this is from his book. I've been all over these United States from one end to another. And when I started out, the song was, well, you can't win. The Democrats can't win. 90% of the press is against us, but that didn't discourage me one little bit. You know, I had four campaigns here in the great state of Missouri and never had a metropolitan paper for me the whole time. And I licked them every time. People are waking up to the fact that this is their government and they can control their government if they get out and vote on election day. That is all they need to do. People are waking up that the tide is beginning to roll. And I'm here to tell you that if you do your duty as citizens of the greatest Republic Republic, the sun has ever shown on, we will have a government that will be for your interests, that will be for peace in the world, and for the welfare of all the people and that just not a few. You think that doesn't apply to today? Not just a few. You think that doesn't apply to both parties right now? Damn right it does. Am I... I'm not going to get into the election per se, but Washington has been broke for, let's just say 30 years. That's a good number. How is it that our representatives were so-called our representatives can pass laws that affect us, but not them. Where does it say in the Constitution that they get a lifetime retirement? I missed that one. Where does it say that they can constantly give themselves pay increases? I missed that one. And where does it say that they will retire as millionaires after doing, quote, public service? I know that's not in there. Democrat or Republican? There are not enough independents to worry about. Who in the hell do these people think they are? You make one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year, or one hundred seventy-four, and then you come on and bitch and moan and whine that that's not enough to live in D.C. Well, do what Harry Truman did and live in some public housing. 
He lived in a men's house. It was basically a hotel. Who says you have to have a house in D.C., in Virginia, or Maryland, or Delaware? It doesn't say that. Where does it say that we, the people, are responsible for your lifestyle? It sure the hell doesn't say that, does it? No. And we put up with this. Why? Because sadly, that's what we're stuck with right now. I can see a third party forming, just like Mickey Mouse, as we called him in Texas, or Ross Perot Jr., when he formed United We Stand and didn't run once, but he ran twice. And yeah, you can go back to the debates. Well, he was mad at Bush Sr., which he was because when Sr. said no new taxes and Congress passed a new tax package, well, he got his panties in a wad. Wah, wah, wah. Get over it. Pathetic. But we, the people, have got to unite. Not we, the Democrats, not we, the Republicans, but we, the people. We are not being represented. And say what you want to about Trump. Believe me, I've said a lot of things about him that I didn't agree with. (coughs) Excuse me. If you watch his last three... They really weren't press conferences, but his last three videos after the January 6th fiasco, all I could do was sit there and scratch my ass and go, where the hell was this demeanor for the last four years? If you could have put aside your egotistical attitude and not tried to fight every little pissant battle that came up, you probably would have won in 2020. And, you know, think about what I just read that Harry said. I never had a metropolitan paper for me the whole time. Well, Okay, Donald, dumbass, guess what? Harry actually held up a paper that said Dewey wins. And if Trump learned anything, if he, if he runs again in four years, I know we still got this other impeachment trial to go through. I'm not voting for him. You know why? Because he's 78 years old. Do you really want someone who's 78 when the actuary tables say the average age for a male is 76.7 huh let's think about that so i'm going to vote for somebody that might live two more years no 
I know that's what we're faced with right now. But the point is, the press didn't like Harry. He, it's in his book. They didn't like him. He won. Did he fight with the press? Only when they went after his daughter. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan or a New York Giants fan, then you're familiar with Bill Parcells. I liked Bill Parcells. In one of his best interviews, I forgot who the Cowboys had played, and some reporter asked a question, and Bill just stood there and stared at him. And you could see what was on his mind. But instead of holding it in, he let everyone hear it. Boy, that's the dumbest question I've ever heard. Anybody else got an intelligent question and just bypassed that writer? Thumbs up, Bill. There should be more of that. That was so classic. I loved it. I loved it. So maybe if Donald stays in politics, he learns an important lesson. You're not going to defeat the press, especially if they don't like you. Because if that's what you rely on, you're in a losing battle. How many coaches and managers in sports succeed by attacking Sports Illustrated, ESPN reporters, or just when that you, you can tell it's a stupid question, well, coach, why did your team get beat by 40 points. Well, let's see. Let me think about that. Because we suck today. Remember Morrow with the Colts when Manning had been there and Manning had five interceptions? Now, it cost Jim Moore his job. But he said what was on his mind, especially when he goes, I don't know a junior high team that can win with, with five interceptions. Because I think one of the reporters had asked, are y'all going to the Super Bowl this year? And he's like, what, what, what are you smoking, dude? Really? We just got our asses handed to us because our quarterback won't pull his head out and listen to what we're telling him. And we got smoked. So people that's in the press conference, I've got to take a pill because y'all really pissing me off and just leave. We all have to pick our battles and pick the right ones. And the only way you're going to know if it's the right one is if, is, is if, as one of my bosses told me, you take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. Because then you can listen. And you might learn something in the process. And that 
is what Donald Trump needs a huge dose of. Take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. Oh, well. Okay, let's see. Where's another quote from Harry? I don't go that far, but I sometimes think that if congressmen talked less and worked more for the public interest, they would come out much better, and so would the country. What a novel idea. Let me read that again. I don't go that far, but I I sometimes think that if congressmen talked less and worked more, For the public interest, they would come out much better, and so would the country. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord and pass the damn ammunition. You tell me this wasn't a good man that could see through it all. It's right there. But what do we see today? It's like these people go to the restroom and come out and start talking about how many sheets of Charmin they used. Well, in a lot of the cases, I'd have put it in their mouth because that's where it needs to be applied. That's what needs to be cleaned up. I actually told that to an engineer once, and needless to say, we don't exchange Christmas cards, but it is what it is. How many times have we do do these people think they need to tell us everything that's on their mind? I am not one of them. I don't need your ugly mugs in front of the camera two or three times a day telling me that you woke up. Why don't you just, oh, here's the phrase, do your damn job. Why don't you do your damn job? You don't need all this camera FaceTime. You need to do your damn job. That's what you need to do. Because we as Americans, that's what we expect. Yeah, think about that for a minute. Okay, let's see. We must not fall victim to the insidious propaganda that peace can be obtained solely by wanting peace. This theory is advanced in the hope that it will deceive our people and that we will then permit our strength to dwindle because of the false belief that all is well in the world. Peace through strength. And remember, Harry was in the heart of the Cold War. Harry was there for the Berlin airlift. We could have rolled over. We could have packed up our bags and said, we're sorry, West Berlin. We don't have the time or the patience, and we're going to let the Soviets take all of it. He didn't do that, did he? No, he didn't. Peace through strength. You know, everybody talks about how much money we spend on the military. 
Well, there's a reason. Because after World War II, we were the only bastion of freedom that had a fully functioning, funded military. England was broke in 1941. That's why we came up with Lend-Lease. Canada, they're our ally. Australia, they're our ally. New Zealand, they're our ally. But none of them had the financial means to stand up to the USSR. That was us. And who did people come to and want help after World War II? The USA. Now, I'm not going to get into the military complex that Eisenhower talked about. That's a whole different topic for a whole different show. But you don't get peace by solely wanting peace. Go back to the Munich Agreement that Chamberlain signed. And he had the paper in his hand. We have peace in our time. We have peace. How the hell did that work out 60 million deaths later? Peace through strength. Because wanting it is not the same as getting it. So you can ponder that one for a moment. All right, what else we got here? Communism is based on the belief that man is so weak and inadequate that he is unable to govern himself and therefore requires the rule of strong masters. Democracy is based on the conviction that man has the moral and intellectual capacity as well as the inalienable right to govern himself with reason and justice. What you think about that one? You think that's the direction our government's going? Unable to govern himself and therefore requires the rule of strong masters, not representatives, masters. I'll be damned if any son of a bitch in D.C. is my master. I don't care which side of the aisle you're from. You are a representative and you will perform the will of those that elected you. And if you don't, things will not go well. Tell me, Harry Truman, that his words and insight from 70 years ago isn't applicable today. And I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. Tell me it doesn't apply today. Let's see. Is there another one? Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Held cabinet meeting. Explain to cabinet members that, in my opinion, the cabinet members were simply a board of directors appointed by the president to help him carry out the policies of the government. 
In many instances, the cabinet could be of tremendous help to the president by offering advice, whether he liked it or not. But when president made an order, they should carry it out. I told them I expected to have a cabinet I could depend on and take in my confidence. And if this confidence was not well placed, I would get a cabinet in which I could place, I could place confidence. So let's sum that up. Do your damn job or you're fired. Hell, I wrote my book 70 years after he said this. You are my advisors that I have picked out. I expect you to give me your opinions and advice. However, if I don't have confidence in you and I think you are wasting our time, and I think you're here just to suck the lifeblood out of me and everyone else in this room and get a paycheck. Jack, there's the door. Susie, get your purse, get your shoes, get out. Yet, when a president, especially the former one, fired cabinet members, all hell broke loose in the media. Well, you know something? Maybe they weren't doing their damn job. Just like when uh, Mathis and Trump got sideways. They got sideways the day he appointed him. Because Trump wanted to get out of the Middle East. He wanted to get out of Syria. Mathis is a professional soldier. This is his profession. Now you're telling him, I'm going to eliminate your profession. Now, that's a simplistic view, and I understand that. But I'm the president. I've listened to all the pros and the cons on this. Tell me again why we're over there. We defeated ISIS. We've done our best with al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. I really don't understand why we're still in Iraq. And uh, you really want a war with Syria? No, I don't want any of those things. I want our boys to come home. <laughs> and Mathis just wasn't convinced that was the right move. And we won't know until memoirs are published. I don't even know if Trump will do a memoir or not. <laughs> I don't know if anybody would even give him a book deal per, to say that. But it, we've had this debate going on about troops overseas since the end of the Korean War, not the Korean conflict or the police action. It was a war, plain and simple, just like Vietnam was a war. And anyone who says they weren't, well, they're just smoking the wrong brand, of which that is one of my goals this year, even though you saw me light one up and I'll probably light up another one is getting rid of that habit that I've had for way too long, way, way too long. But you tell me 
that Harry Truman didn't have the brass tacks of D.C. in these one, two, three, four, five snippets I've shared with you from this book his daughter wrote. And it all boils down to the same message. Do your damn job. And that makes me feel good that I, to a degree, in a long stretch of the imagination, that Harry and I have a similar process, thought process. I consider that an honor. So if you're looking for some really good ideas on management techniques, check out my book, Do Your Damn Job. And you can find that. You can go to LDDJEnterprises.com on my blog. It's Jeff Dawson at Amazon. Then I have a uh, YouTube channel and a Rumble channel that I just fired up, Director 59, where, <coughs> excuse me, I post different information along with a Patreon account of Jeff Dawson that I would really, if you like what you hear and you like what you read, your support would be greatly appreciated. Now let's talk about Keystone Pipeline. And the post that I put up was one stroke of a pen and you just cost 11,000 jobs. Joe, what you going to do tomorrow? That was it. Nothing more, nothing inflammatory, just a simple statement. And it's, this was two or three days ago. Because, yeah, I miss most yesterday. I was, had an unexpected hospital trip, but I'm not going to get into that. I'm still getting comments on that. But what I'm starting to see in it is people are starting to think a little more. Not all of them, but a amount are starting to actually look at the post because it went from, I'm talking about economics to the mask wars and COVID-19. And I'm sad to say that most of the people that got off topic, topic are liberals. It's like, I'm talking about the Keystone Pipeline. This is phase four. Now, for those that don't know it, this would be the shortest branch. It would be a more direct branch from Hardesty, Alberta to Steel City, Nebraska. And it is 1,179 miles. Four phases, 
numerically have been built. One, two, three, and 3B have been completed, and that's 3,004. So there is oil coming down. This would be in addition to that. So, because some people said, well, it never started and this, that, and the other. Well, no, this line hasn't started. And I went to a publication. It's the oil line publication, like in construction, we had concrete construction and ENR. Well, this is the trade magazine because people were refuting, well, it's not that many jobs, blah, blah, blah. Well, this is an unbiased publication and it said it's 11,000 jobs overall okay I consider that a good source I consider engineering news record a good source and I consider concrete construction a good source they aren't political publications they are engineering publications <coughs> addressing issues is there probably a little bias at times well of course there is and I'm sure they have lobbyists, but when it comes to their articles that I have read for decades, they're 99.9% .9 on point. These are union jobs too, Joe. These are high paying union jobs, Joe. I understand the push for green energy. But I also look back at when in the 19th century, men started messing around with a combustible engine and they made it work. And then they put it on a chassis with wheels and they made that work. And at the time, your modes of transportation were pretty limited. Foot, horse. Foot, horse. That's it. That's all you had. You want to get someplace, you're going to walk, or you're going to get on a horse. How many times do we see on the news these pictures from World War II World War One, Korea, Vietnam, everybody, all the refugees are walking. Well, here we go. The automobile slowly replaced the horse and feet. And it also allowed people to go much farther distances to vacation. But it's not like they woke up one morning and said, to all of you horse ranchers, today is it, you're done, you're shut down. And they're like, so how are we supposed to get around? Well, we'll, we'll get back with you on that. But we're just telling you, this is your last day in business. All you livery stables, you can shut down. All you leather makers and saddle makers, you're shut down. 
well, what the hell are we supposed to do until then? Well, don't worry. We, we've got a new invention coming up. And it might take 10 or 20 years, but it's coming. And it's going to replace that. Well, don't you think that maybe people should have a choice and let the market do its job? Yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. And in the debate with some of these people, they're like, well, I hope to see more of this. More of what? These people losing their jobs in the energy industry? I don't think so. Because you haven't replaced it with anything. You have nothing on the horizon that is going to employ hundreds of thousands or even millions of people that will lose their job. If you shut down the oil industry today, do you have any idea how many jobs that affects millions? And what are they supposed to do? Draw unemployment and be thankful the government's giving them a check even though they want to work? My son-in-law is a driller. He's in Louisiana, and he's very good at what he does. He is nervous, as he should be. You don't shut something down unless you have something in the pipeline that you know is going to work, and you can start putting those people in those jobs. I mean, and this is what Mike Rowe is always talking about, trade jobs. Well, you have to learn the trade before you can execute the trade. And this goes back to do your damn job. People have to teach you how to do that trade. Yes, you can go to school, but you still have to work with people who have done the work before themselves and can teach you, okay, this is what the book showed you. Now I'm going to show you. You're in a lab or a workshop where everything is clean and pretty. Now you're out on a job site overhauling this diesel engine, putting this track on, replacing hydraulic lines, fixing a bad bogey. But now you're out in the elements. You're in the mud, in the snow, in the wind, in the cold, in the baking sun. And believe me, I have had my ass baked in the sun numerous summers but that's where I learned because I was doing my damn job but you don't eliminate an industry until you have an industry that is gearing up and ready to go look at SpaceX Elon Musk is working in tandem with NASA because NASA has the infrastructure to launch rockets. So all Elon has to do is focus on building the rocket. Now, he did have to come up with the barges. It's, that's really cool how the boosters can are reusable and they land back on those barges. That is just some phenomenal technology, if you ask me. But you've got to have something 
to replace what you're eliminating. You can't have millions of people out of work just because you want something. What did Harry say? Which was, which was, which was his, well, hell. I can't read it right now, but you don't eliminate an entire industry just because. You have to have some type of backstop. Is it in the wind industry? Well, we're finding out that those blades don't last forever, and now they're becoming like nuclear waste. They can't reuse the blades. They're, for whatever reason, the material they're using is not recyclable. Nobody wants them. So we're doing the same thing we did with nuclear waste, and we're digging holes and burying the shit. That can't go on forever. And what does it take in fossil fuel to build these structures? I don't know if you've ever seen it, but they actually set up a portable concrete plant when they build these wind farms. And I think each one, the base of one of those takes 500 or 750 yards of concrete. Well, do you know how, you know how you make concrete, right? It's stone, sand, and cement, and water. So you have to have those four products brought to this batch plant. Well, you set up a portable batch plant because there's not a concrete supplier or ready mix supplier anywhere in the neighborhood to assist. So you have to do it there on site. <clears throat> because we have temperature restrictions and other things that I'm not going to get into, but if the concrete gets hot before you pour it, you lose it. It's dead. It's done. It will never obtain its strength. That's just, like I said, I'm not going to get into it. You got to truck all that stuff in. You got to dig a pipeline to bring the water to the batch plant. You got to burn fossil fuels for the trucks that are bringing the rock, the sand and the cement. Now, as a contractor, those guys made really good money. I don't have a problem with that, but you got to use fossil fuels to build the wind farm. Solar energy. I'm old enough to remember when Jimmy Cotta built, instituted the uh, Department of Energy. And the whole point of developing that was so that we wouldn't be dependent on foreign fuel. Anybody remember that? Look it up. Trump did it. By God, do you know how many people that must have pissed off in Washington? He just eliminated the need for the Department of Energy because even though it took 58 years, here we are. We're energy independent. And people are upset over that. Explain that logic to me. And it wasn't done through the Department of Energy. 
It was done by private contractors. Wasn't that the whole point? That Jimmy set it up and now, oh, we don't need you anymore. Talk about pissing off the swamp. Wah, wah, wah. But we're going to shut down the Keystone Pipeline. And now Trudeau's not very happy over this. Yeah, I forgot the name of that new treaty that was, that Trump got them to sign between Mexico, Canada, and the United States. But whoops, that didn't work out too well, did it? But we'll see. Okay, the last one I want to get into is this second executive order about the racial equality. Transgender, per se. Women for 58 years have fought to build up high school and collegiate sports for women. Physically born women. So they can have their own sporting programs for women. Not wom apostrophe man, women. Now, several people took offense to this post. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You can go to my Facebook or my blog, LDDJ Enterprises enterprises.com and add your own comment. If somebody wants to have an operation and change their sex, that's their business. That's not mine. But it becomes my business when little Johnny can't compete on the male level and then decides that, but I could compete in a female sport if I identify as a woman and go through the process, even though I'm bigger, stronger, and faster, I can compete against them. They've already had some court cases on this in Connecticut, I believe. And I believe it's in track and field. And these women, these athletes, high school and college, they're not happy at all over this crap. It reminds me of the USSR and the USA. Well, basically, the USSR and their satellites versus the free world in the Olympics. You'd have to go back and pull up YouTubes of what those female Russian athletes look like. They had more facial hair than Santa Claus. Were they using steroids? Yeah, probably. I have granddaughters that compete that are good. 
but if some boy that can't make it on the school baseball team realizes he doesn't have what it takes, but decides to be switch his sex and compete against my granddaughters, he's going to win. Because no matter how good they are, they aren't as strong, as fast, and agile as he would be. Let them have their own sports. The women did it. Well, let them do it. And I know the argument, well, there aren't enough of us. Well, sorry. We're not going to just bow and bend over for every little minority group that wants their recognition. You can have your recognition. But if the transgender male is going to compete with the female, well, then I think that the guys that don't make it in professional baseball should be allowed to try out for women's fast pitch softball or play in the WNBA or the LPGA because they're not good enough to play on the PGA. That, folks, defeats the whole damn purpose, in my opinion. You don't have to agree with me. I'm not telling you you do. I'm giving you my opinion and take on this. I don't see anything good coming out of it. And according to these court cases going on in Connecticut, those female athletes don't see anything good on it. And you can look that up and PragerU has a little segment on that, that go look those up and make your own opinion. Cause that is the one thing that I am big on. I will discuss a topic or I will post a topic for civil discussion and debate. But the main thing, and this goes back to when I was talking about Steve earlier, make you think, don't take what you hear from the boob tube or from YouTube or any tube. Don't take that as the gospel. There is no such thing. Look up the issue. Look at the pros and the cons of it and then make an informed decision. Is that really asking too much? Sadly, in today's electronic climate, it seems to be. But what really excites me at times during a discussion is when I can see that someone took the time to go read an article or articles and take the good and the bad and mold it together and give me their opinion. What is lazy is when somebody just wants to find an article and then link it and then link it and then link it and then link it. And it's like, Did you really read it? And I've seen plenty of posts where 
it is posted and then you look at all the comments and you can tell not a one of them read it because they're asking such asinine questions it's like did you read the article i've done now this i have done many times and a lot of it happens on a baseball forum i'm a part of oh oh i'm glad i said that because this will be the last topic i get on to <coughs> Read the article before opening your mouth. And that kind of goes back to do your damn job. Okay, the last thing, and I promise, this is the last thing today. Baseball lost two great icons. Don Sutton and Hank Aaron. Don Sutton was a pitcher. I remember following him. I had his baseball cards. Just a really good athlete. And then Hank Aaron. The man who broke Babe Ruth's home run record. I have his book that I bought at a book fair in elementary school called hammering hank i still have that i don't have any of my baseball cards anymore but i have that book hank aaron bob gibson vita blue kurt flood lou brock manny sangan Willie Stargell, and a host of others. What do they all have in common other than being great baseball players and athletes? Well, they're black. I am a child of the 60s. I was born in 59. Do you think I cared what color those guys were? Norm Cash, Roberto Clemente, Tom Seaver, I mean, Denny McLean, Bill Freehan, Al Kaline. I didn't give two shits what their color was. What I saw were baseball players. Skin color meant nothing to me. Now this is living in Oklahoma. I didn't live in what you would be called the deep South. And I know Hank, because he talked about this. He got death threats from a lot of ignorant white races. It is the 60s and 70s, and we're still getting used to the civil rights. But as a child, I didn't look at their color. I didn't care. As a coach, I had whites, Mexicans and blacks. 
if you want to break it down racially. But you know what I saw? Players. That's all I saw. I don't care about your ethnicity. I don't care about your race. What I care about is can you throw, catch, run, and hit. That's it. That's all I care about. Can you do that? And if you can't, then let's work on your weaknesses and find out what you're really good at. Hank Aaron and all these other players, to me, they were baseball players. That's all they were. Now, I understand there's prejudice. There will always be prejudice in the world. You think the Chinese and Japanese like each other? Uh, No, China's still waiting for an apology from what the Japs did in the 30s at Nanking. Yeah, look that up. That wasn't pretty, and I've mentioned this in past shows. But these guys were ball players. I wanted to see Hank Aaron break Babe Ruth's record. I didn't want Barry Bonds to break Aaron's record because I don't like Barry Bonds. Because I just don't think he's a good person. And someone might say, well, that's racial. How's it racial? Hank's black and Barry's black. I just don't like Barry Bonds. I am allowed that opinion as an American. You don't have to agree with me. If you think Barry Bonds was a great. It would have been Sammy Sosa. But it wasn't. But I guess my point here is, no, I know what my point is. I didn't look at color. I looked at the player. That's what I looked at when I coached. It was very sad that Hank died, but he was 86. He was a great man. He was a great ambassador for baseball around the world. And I loved watching him play. He had the smoothest swing. Look up a video of him. He wasn't a big man, but his swing was so smooth. It was poetry in motion. He didn't corkscrew himself into the ground. He just swung. Just hit the ball. Make contact. And that's what he did. And over 750 of them left the ballpark. But it really is a loss to the baseball world. 
and to, you know, it's a broad statement, mankind in general. But I just, growing up, for the most part, if you want to say I was colorblind, then say I was colorblind. But he will be missed. I'm just glad that I still have a copy of his book. And I know I ran over a little bit today because we had like a 15-minute late start, which was all on my end. And I apologize for that. I hope you learned something. I hope you will look at my works in the books that I have and you will find something interesting. Give it a try. It's like I said earlier, you know, when you look at my books on Amazon, you can click on the sample so you don't have to buy it. Just click on the sample and read that if it's interesting buy it and then if you read it within three days and say well you really didn't like it you can return it and get your money back for those of those for those of you who might not know that's possible on the next episode it's either going to be the next show or the one after that i am going to have a guest on i'm not going to divulge his name at this time because we still have details to work out but uh he is served in the military most of his career 26 years i believe it is he's a very interesting and intellectual man i've known him since high school <clears throat> but he he can shed lights shed light on topics that i would can only imagine to discuss. I've enjoyed our time today. I hope you have too, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend and that the next two weeks are prosperous and fun. And until then, I will see you in two weeks. This is Jeff Dawson signing out. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did. Without you wonderful listeners, this show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought, check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com, websites, LDDJ Enterprises, and jeffdawsonauthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook, LDDJ Enterprises Publishing, or email LDDJEnterprises at gmail.com or on Twitter at JeffDawson59. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain. <laughs>